0: The following is a presentation of the Belly Sports Media Network.
1: It's recovery day, folks. We're going to talk about what happened in this uh, last Betlam, that and more here on the Sooner or Later Sports Show. I am your host, Jay. Thank y'all for pulling up here on the YouTube channel and listening wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. While you're here, wipe your feet like subscribe if you're listening rate review give us five stars you don't think we deserve it let's go ahead and give us five anyway and gifted so we've got a special guest joining the show i'm pretty excited Cooper will be here whenever he decides to show up but i'm going to bring in the guests we got our guy josh from k-rev let me see if i got this into the right one is this the right one it's not there it is we got him in there josh
2: what's going on man Jay, what's happening, buddy? Uh, good, good to be with you. Appreciate it.
1: No problem, man. I appreciate you pulling up and joining us, man. We're, we're here to talk. Uh, gosh, we're here to talk Bedlam, the last Bedlam. And of course, our Sooners decided that they just did not want to win it more than the competition. So uh, thanks for pulling up. Josh, let the people know where they
2: can find you. Uh,
1: we like to do that when we do the initial introductions. That way, uh, yeah, we can go uh, check out all your stuff.
2: Yeah, well, all sorts of ways. Obviously, the ref uh, from 9 to noon alongside Chris Plank. And whenever there's a fill-in here or there, easy to find us. just download the uh, KREF app. And uh, you can listen to the radio station worldwide. It's free and available, uh, well, to you. And then obviously Locked On Sooners with my man, John Williams. Uh, Usually five days a week. It just kind of depends. But uh, Locked (laughs) On Sooners for the podcast side. But, man, uh, what are your initial thoughts? Obviously not what we wanted from Bedlam uh, a day ago. Yeah, you
1: know, um, there was a lot of pain in my soul in this game, mainly one—it's a rivalry. Now, now, granted, can we say it's a rivalry? I mean, we treat it as one just because we're nice, right? This feels like Serena versus Maria Sharapova, right? It's 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 ninety-one twenty and seven. It's not like it's truly a you know a battle. It's not like Texas where we've seen true battles as far as this, uh, the standings go. But it, it's it's a, it's a fight. Up oh, and we've got the next a member of the group. Coop, there he is. All right, guys. It's all right I, when I'm uh, mad at you today. Uh, I'll yell I was, at you later.
0: <laughs> I was uh, I was supposed to do a little hibachi on the Blackstone out back, and Jeff Levy called in a stupid uh, alarm time for
1: me to wake up, and so I'm blaming it on Jeff Levy. He's going to blame Levy like everybody else. But back to your yeah. question, Josh. The biggest thing is, I was hoping that we wanted a little bit more, but at the same time, I understand when I went back and did my rewatch, I noticed defensively, we played a lot of young players in this game and they actually held up well. Offensively though, we did not capitalize on all the opportunities placed in front of us. And it's a combination of drop passes, bad passes, weird play calls, a lot of odd substitutions and personnel decisions there was so many things that was, it just felt odd. Like, felt like we were playing a game at Jordan-Hare where Auburn plays. Everybody says the place is cursed. I wonder if Stillwater is cursed too, base one, the way this game looks. So I'll bring the question back to you, Josh. How did you feel about the the performance and the way this game went?
2: Well, I'll share what I shared on, on the podcast side last night. Uh, again, Locked On Sooners, wherever you consume podcasts, just search that. But uh, my closing thought, I think, should have been my final thought, is how I ended the podcast yesterday, which is I'm just honestly frustrated. I'm frustrated that it's gotten to this point for Oklahoma because in the course of a season, right, so we end one season, we've got an offseason, we spend so much time talking about what could be ahead for Oklahoma, and probably the expectation was anywhere from – 9-3 Nine and three to eleven and one. You hope you get to Arlington, play for a Big Twelve championship on the way out the the Big Twelve door, and in this thing, sort of, kind of, where you've always existed, which is as the Big Twelve champion. But guess what? Along the way, you beat Texas the way that you did, where you, physically you were the more dominant team in that yeah. game. So expectations, right? They change as you go along, and I guess for me, it's just frustrating that you had that performance versus Texas, and now that is starting to look like maybe you pulled a little bit of an upset at the Cotton Bowl that day. So that that's that's the part that I'm having a tough time rationalizing. I mean, obviously there's a lot of things from yesterday that uh, are going to drive Oklahoma fans crazy. The, the play calls, the offensive ineptitude at times. I think the largest takeaway for Oklahoma in this game for me was as much as there was – Poor missed tackling early, and that unfortunately has reared its ugly head the last couple of games is now a trend for Oklahoma. And I know there's some new faces, et cetera, et cetera, but this team suddenly doesn't tackle as well as it used to, particularly early in this game. Now, they found a way, though, the lasting thought. They found a way to get you stops late in the game again and again and again, just like the week before. At Kansas, where you forced the missed field goal, got a couple of interceptions, and the offense couldn't make plays to go win the game after you got up 21-17. to So I think those are kind of the lasting takeaways for me, guys.
1: No, I, I'm totally with you on that, Coop. How did you feel? Give your, you've slept on it. So give me now your thought on the game since we've got to actually sleep and think about how we felt about it. I, I know most thoughts, but give, 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 give the people your feel.
0: As, as someone sitting here right now today, um, a- again, it's middle of last year in the midst of all that crap. Um, if I say, hey, guys, chill out, we're going to lose two one possession games next year. We're going to have chances to where we go, man, it's not like someone's walking in here and curb stomping us, but you're losing one position games. You have a lot of stuff that we can continue to fix, but the let's go to the SEC, a better complete team, will still be on the shelf. And I still mm. fully believe that. You know, it's as a Sooner fan, as any fan of a team six weeks in, you know, um, who, who really should be there often, your Georgias, your Michigans, your Ohio States, Alabama, and Oregon... You start going, oh, 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 you look six weeks down the road and you, you, you're you're projecting based off of what we've seen to this point, right? And we all got excited. Um, hell, I picked them at the beginning of this season to be a playoff team just because of the schedule and if. Um, this team is good. This team is very, very, very good. And, I, and, 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 and I'm standing pat on that. But like I said last week, this team's good and if it was just bad coaching moments here and there, not a big deal. We can overcome that. If it's poor penalties at poor times and that's the only thing we're we're facing, we're good enough to overcome that. Hell, turnovers. <laughs> if we give up three we give the ball away three times last week, three times this week. If that was the sole thing, we're still good enough to overcome that. But When you throw coaching, turnovers, the shenanigans at running back, penalties, and the officiating. Guys, the officiating is not the reason why we lose that game. Because I guarantee you, if you walk in there, they say, the coaching staff is saying, guys, we shouldn't have been in a spot to where our W or L was dependent on a zebra. Especially knowing what we know. So, this still is a good team. We still have things that we have to get straight. Because we still have a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. You still want to keep moving and progressing. You still want younger kids to be in here getting this late season, not a freshman anymore experience. Right. We still have these things. Now, which one of these things is the most important for us? That's the discussion that I, I, I want to kind of chat with is bad coaching, untimely penalties, turnovers, and officiating. We can control 75% of that. Which one? can We're not going to be able to go in and say, guys, let's, let's clean every single one of these things up. That's not going to happen in one week. But with the injuries at defensive back, the injuries at the offensive line, whatever's going on at running back, We've got to be able to pick out one or two things and say, all right, guys, this is our focus. I sure as hell know that being out past the hash marks on a piss-poor pass interference call, that needs to be fixed today. And if it isn't, then we're not learning. So is this team a team that's going to see all these things, sit back, look at each other, and say, we've got a goal. What do I personally need to help contribute to this team getting better?
1: Yeah, I'm, what, what question I have to go with that, which that's a pretty good good way to segue. Offensively, what changes do we really need to do? Because here's the thing that bothered me, and this is where my conversation around Levy has been. The offense isn't bad. It's just certain decisions at certain times it makes you scratch your head and be like, what are we doing? Like, what what is our identity and what are we trying to achieve here? So like, for example, against Kansas, being Jason being through the ball 32 times Dylan Gabriel 19 and that's the lowest he's thrown in his career that is not that doesn't make any sense especially when the weather had changed in the second half when Bean was throwing the ball over the field it's like we got afraid to to, to to pull the trigger and go for it when that has been our bread and butter you can't run jet sweeps and any plays like that if you're not blowing up the top you gotta get the safety back up If you see the safety come up Then you go over their head. We've got the guys that are fast enough to do it. Now when they catch the ball, we've got young guys that, you know, we're up and down in that part. But I do believe that that's something that's fixable. That's something that we can work on. Against O-State, that last drive, there was a couple of drives where I was asking the question of, and I asked this for both of you. Josh, I'll pass this to you next first up. So offensively, what do you feel like we should change? And what's the difference of when Towie Walker's running the ball and, like, everybody else? Because it seems like he just runs straight and there's, like, holes. It's like the blocks magically show up. Am I crazy?
2: He's clearly been the number one guy for Oklahoma for the duration of the season. Now, Gavin Sawchuck, there were some signs of life uh, mm-hmm. er- early in this contest, especially, so that that was nice to see for Oklahoma – I don't know. It's a tough situation to get a read on beyond. Toby Walker has been clearly the number one. The other guys at times, Sachuk, it feels like he's been running tentatively. I don't know if that's the recovering from the health situation. I don't know if it's he hasn't had enough carries at times over the course of the year to get into a rhythm. I mean, it's tough for me to answer the running back question beyond they just haven't been healthy or good enough. I think the offensive line is uh to me. Equal parts guilty. I don't know that they've been good enough. In the run blocking department, I think for the majority of this season, Oklahoma's been trying to find the right combination of five up front, and they haven't totally found it for one reason or another, right? So I don't know that there is just this bona fide fix beyond. The biggest problem Oklahoma's got right now is there's there's no – there's no terrific feel for the football game. It's, you know, the Kansas game, we come away and we're so frustrated at the end, right? Because you you run the football three times and yet there were large portions of that game where running the football with Tommy Walker was the right decision but not mm-hmm. knowing at the end of the game that, okay, now you don't have Tawie Walker available and the other personnel, it hasn't gone as well with them. So I would just say, how do you fix the offense? It's got to start with the staff, just getting a better feel for what's going on in an individual game. You can't run a route short of the sticks on fourth down and five. That cannot happen at the end of the game. In this one though, Jeff Levy is not the only guy at fault. You got a center that can't snap the football back. Yeah. You've got other mistakes that happen in this game that are just killers. You've got a field goal kicker that you can't trust to go kick the field goal. He's not going to get you a point. So Jeff Levy has to be better. They need to have a better situational feel for the football game. But I guess the, the long answer to a simple question is there's a lot of People at fault here. Dylan Gabriel, right? We've been crying, hey, give Gabriel more chances. You give him a chance, he gets pressured and he makes a bad decision and throws it into double coverage. It gets picked off. So there's, you know, a lot of mistakes that have happened across the board for Oklahoma. Obviously, Levy needs to be better though.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And that that is that that's why I tried to tell everybody when it came to the, the game plan in this game, I was not mad. I liked it. We we were we were moving the ball. It's it was a multitude of things. And Coop, you mentioned it earlier, the turnovers, like the bad snaps, like Javante Barnes catching the snap on accident. It wasn't supposed to go to him. It didn't seem like they were ready for it. And uh, Travis had mentioned it. Travis Davidson, you know, he had mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, I believe it was him. But I think he had asked the question of if Rain mentioned that he couldn't hear Dillian Gabriel on the snap because of you know how loud it is in some places, do we not have like a silent count set up to where a guard taps him on the leg or something of that nature to, to try to help mitigate that? Like I'm trying to figure out why we don't have that setting in place, right? Like you would expect that to be there. So cool. To you on this, what, what do you think we need to really change? And like, what do you see different when, when we were running the ball with Tywee in comparison to any other running back?
0: Well, first of all, I'll say the snap thing. The uh, the warm burner that he threw had nothing to do with clapping, snap counts, crowd noise. That's just that was that that was piss poor execution. The alignment of Javante. I mean, I'm gonna try to keep myself composed here. The yeah, alignment, language. the alignment on <laughs> that one. Number one, Javante Barnes. Why, why, why is he out there? Like why? Um, because. It's obviously he's not a big part of the game plan. So why do you bring him in in some of these odd times? Why is it that you know? Because I saw on Twitter after the nice long run by Sawchuck for the touchdown, I saw on Twitter somebody throw out there, and it's and it's and it's a good person. Um, cool. This means uh, Farouk is going to be in at running back next series, and this is in a game to where we should be united as a fan base but none of us know what to expect like none of us know what to expect so i don't know what exactly the 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 everything i mean i, I don't know when it comes to the running game you saw saw chuck saw chuck was 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 finding it i mean what do you have 13 carries for 100 some odd yards one of them was a 64 yard yeah yeah so so he was doing great right tall we runs in there he's doing great again but you, you see, you see, Dalen Smothers come in randomly. Um, and, and, you know, he's in the game. And then you see Javante Barnes in it. Like he, the whole saying with, like, if you got two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks. So I, I think that, like, if you've got a stable of running backs, that means you've got a lot of dudes who are doing good things. If you got a lot of dudes who aren't doing anything, that's not a stable. That's called it's time for spring cleaning. Like It's just not it. You need to to find some kind of a rhythm and then you need to have the next man up after that just in case somebody gets hurt. But running four guys out there with no ability to get in the groove of things is tough. Also with the offensive line, and I think Josh said it uh, or was heading that way, but with the offensive line, you're running behind guys that you can't get their mannerisms. You can't get you can't get a good idea about what is actually happening when when they're running out there. So you've got, I guess, sporadic run blocking. Um, you've got guys who you're depending on to do a great job of run blocking who are doing horribly. And it, it there's just never... There is a chaos factor every time we run the ball. We have no clue what's about to happen because we have no clue where the breakdown is about to happen. And then you throw in pre-snap penalties. When you start throwing in pre-snap penalties too, that just kills it also. So if, if it were up to me and somebody was like, hey, this joker over in Broken Arrow has a good idea, let's, let, let's start with him. I think that you cut down multiple different, I mean, you, you say we're going to run this and this. These are our two blocking schemes that we're going to go with and that's it, okay? That is absolutely it. And you can go and you can run and you can see what's going wrong with you know one at the time or both of them, and you can fix those issues. When you're running seven different blocking schemes or four different blocking schemes and you're trying to make those adjustments on the fly, it's just tough. And here's another thing on the offense is the tempo thing can't be, you, can't be your one trick. Because now we are seeing that it is first down, first down injury, first down, first down injury, injury, yeah, first down, first down injury. It, it is going to happen, and you see guys who are like, you know, grabbing at their a- ankle, and then they like all of a sudden that's ribs too, and they're like, well, I don't know where, which one was the one that <laughs> helps us? Uh, which was I the ankle guy or was I was I the the the, the, the abdomen guy? Like which one? So.
1: that's what it is it's the underarm I stink I gotta get out I I smell something
0: my daughter on Saturday may have broken her arm in her soccer game um so you know what was going on it was her arm she wasn't confused on like she was I think my, my 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 you know no it was the arm we know it's the arm she comes out and they say hey listen if she was down that long she's probably done for the game There needs to be some kind of something because if you are hurt and you go down, maybe it is until the next TV timeout. Maybe it is for a minimum of three plays, maybe five plays. That's what needs to happen because then you got to be a little bit more calculated. It's still going to be, it's still going to happen because how do you tell, you know, if it's a twisted ankle or not? They do it in the NBA when folks start flopping all over the place. Now it's a pit, now, now, you know, now they're going to get the whistle. It needs to happen. So there are way too many things that need to be corrected. So Levy needs to have, uh, and this is a time where CEO Brent needs to come out, and he needs to start out with, I'm starting with me, and I'm working on some stuff with me. Because this season is not, is not what it's all about. It is about the program. So we've seen what's going on right now. We still have the chance at New Year Six. That's still a great deal. We've got a great recruiting class going right now. We've got a right. 25 class that's blowing up. Let's continue to be striving towards this excellence. Let's continue to keep going. And then by the end of all of this, we need to be able to go into next season and say, all right, things that definitely ain't happening next year are A, B, C. Yeah. If it means staff changes. It means staff changes.
1: Yeah, we have to see what that's going to look like when we get to the end of the season. But if there's one thing I do want to kind of give some props to is Bill Bedenboe kind of did make a decision finally because there was no substitutions on our offensive line. Like, all of the snap counts with five dudes. Caden Green, Tyler Guyton, Andrew Rain, Walter Rouse, and McKay Matower. Now, granted, Walter Rouse was being borderline abused over there on that, at that left tackle spot, which was very shocking. I did not expect that to happen to him. Uh, on top of, man, I hate to say this. I feel really bad even speaking these, these words that are about to come out of my mouth. Is Austin Stogner done? Because Xavier Benson was really He had three tackles for the loss in this game, and they all came on a jet sweep when Stogner was in motion to go do the block. Like, he just was meticulously preparing for the moment that, say, oh, it's going to be him again. I got this one. And as soon yep. as it happened. Yeah, ran right past. I, Josh is 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 Stockner kind of cooked because it kind of feels like my man is cooked. It,
2: it appears that way, and it's it's so disappointing it because his career. You think back to what was going on, and you know, well, what the twenty twenty season, I think, right? And mm-hmm. it looked like sky's the limit, and looked like the next great Oklahoma tight end. He's going to be an NFL guy, but uh, injuries look like they've taken their physical toll, unfortunately. And uh instead of getting better because of the injuries, it looks like he's gone the opposite direction. And unfortunately for OU, they don't really have any other options that are ready there right now. I mean Blake Smith is somebody that can come in and you know block somebody up here or there, but he's not gonna go catch the football and run 30 yards after it. And obviously Llewellyn and Helms, neither of those two, I mean Dayton back to the what the spring into the summer. I mean, those guys have been hurt and it never happened right there. McIntyre, it's too soon for him. So Devon Mitchell, I hope can step in and be an immediate impact guy for Oklahoma next year. That might be a spot for OU that, you know, I I don't think that it's Oklahoma's ambitions to year after year now have the type of transfer portal halls. Maybe we've seen to begin the Brent Venables era, but uh, I do think tight end could be a, a position that maybe Oklahoma, if there's something that can legitimately help you, not the, the well, what we thought Austin Stockner was going right. to be out of the transfer portal for Oklahoma. If that's there, I wouldn't be surprised to see OU go get it. The the coaching staff, you guys uh, maybe danced around it. Is this, is there any chance it's headed for some sort of offensive makeover? I I tend to say no, but – it's going the direction to where there's some tough conversations that I think are going to have to be had.
1: Yeah, I've talked about this a few times, and I feel like Levy is now on the path of Josh Heupel's stint with us as OC. Heupel was here a few years, and at the end, we had to let him go because there was just if it felt like all the clutch plays we were calling wasn't very good. There was just a lot of, just a lot of things that j- did not gel properly. He leaves. He goes to Utah State with Matt Wells, who's on staff right now. And he's his offensive coordinator for a year. Starts getting things going. Leaves, goes to Missouri, OC for a couple of years. Makes Missouri look pretty solid. Then he gets a head coaching job at UCF. And then, of course, now he's at Tennessee. I feel like Levy's going to end up in that path. because This is his first year with autonomy. This is his first year as the only guy because under Heupel and under Kiffin, that's offensive dudes. So you know they're going to walk in and interject. They're not going to give him full autonomy on an offense that is, in theory, theirs. And Levy has the experience, of course, years in Baylor and, and, and going to Ole Miss and going to UCF. He's done some moving around to the point of with his first stint with autonomy I don't know if this is the program to have your first stint at. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to be under a lens. And so I'm kind of with you. And I've said this, like I said, ad nauseum. I don't, Lebby's not gone. If, If he's gone, he takes a head coaching job in the spring. That's when he leaves. He leaves because he takes a job, decides that he wants to practice being a head coach. He feels ready. And he gets a G5 job. Because I don't know if a P5 would actually give him a p5 job that he's going to want would give him a job right now. I could but I mean there are opportunities. I mean once I mean if Elko ends up leaving Duke and taking Michigan State or if Texas A&M, you know, gets froggy and decides to fire Jimbo Fisher, I'm not counting on it, but if they fire him, I think they go get Elko. Bring him back. Their defenses were legit with him. He looks great at Duke. Bring him back. I think he goes back. Duke's open. I don't see that as a bad job especially with the way that they've recruited. Um, if you can make it happen in the ACC offensively, I think you'll be fine. So I don't see major, major, um, I don't see major coaching changes for us. Unless like I said, a a job is taken like a head coaching position for Levy. So we'll probably go all the way through the end of the contract, which I think is next season. I think that I think it's the end of his contract is next year. Uh, if I read correctly, but tight end wise, I really hope we had went after, say, Um, the tight end that ended up at Colorado, but then left there. And now he's at, uh, at Mississippi State. I was really hoping we would have gone after him because he's a receiving tight end. He wants to play receiver, but you could have played him in between that and tight end because he's a solid tight end. He would have been a really good just weapon to have on top of Stogner as you're trying to get vertical with your tight ends. And there was one play in this game. Somebody was... Shooting me a message about it's like, oh, DG missed out and he was wide open for a touchdown. That was the play when Rouse got blew up. And as soon as DG was gonna cock back, the defender was there. If he would have cocked back, that's a that's a strip sack. That ball's gone. There's no way that play was gonna work out. That's why he he ducked under, but then he ended up getting sacked regardless, because unfortunately the line didn't hold up for that one play, even though overall they had a pretty good game. And so Okay, we got a couple questions in here. I want to jump right into the defensive side, but somebody asked about Bowen as well as um, Stutzman. I know Stutzman was on the sideline. Peyton Bowen had a few snaps, but I know that he has not been looking good. He looks kind of, he looks banged up. And so with all the young players we play, we had uh, Robert Spears, Gene play, which just, he wowed me this weekend. I am so glad that he's getting healthy. He looked good uh, replacing Reggie Pearson, who was out because of the suspension for the targeting shot that they claim when the quarterback's going for the end zone and decides to slide instead. Still don't understand how that works, but we had a lot of young players play. With Stutzman out, Kanick appears to be who Stutzman was last year, still trying to figure out how to run the offense. But then they bring in Kip and Kobe, and I've come to the conclusion that the rotational defense when Stutzman gets back, it should be Stutzman and Canick together, and it should be Kip and Kobe McIntyre together. If you're going to take out either Stutzman or her, Kanik, Kobe and Kip come in together. It should be like a two-package deal. You know, it should never be one or the other. It should be the entire rotation on that. Coop, We saw the defense, especially at the linebacker and all the young players play. How would you feel about that?
0: I mean, first of all, Kip and, Kip and Kobe balled out. And, it, you know, I, I can't say that I have a lot of issues on the defensive side. I mean, you know, uh, Bowman started out just an absolute tear on an absolute tear. But it also was assisted by missed tackles by a couple of um, a, a couple of uh, frequent visitors on the missed tackle report. And it's Key Lawrence and Jaron Kanick um And it just—it seems like when they miss tackles, especially Key, whenever he misses it, he is right for the world to see. They ran one of those uh, those bubble screens out, and it ended up being like a thirty-five yard pass or something. And I mean, he just—he 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 just whiffed. He just absolutely whiffed. And you, you can't have it. um You saw Cannon get pinned inside, and you know I'm starting to see more and more of the in. And I understand with Canic, and that's what makes it frustrating is, you know, when you're running out a, a, a Justin Broyles um, and you're seeing his mistakes in the past, it was mm. always the same thing. It was never like there are glimpses, because if you didn't notice him, it was just he he wasn't part of the play. But like with canic, you see magic at times, and then you see just an absolute WTF moment at times. So you don't want to pitch the baby out with the bathwater and, and I understand that it's super, super frustrating. It, it just really is, but it seems like from an offensive standpoint against OU's defense is they are willing to do the sideline to sideline all over the place and make these guys cover and make them tackle early in the game. Because if you bust one of them, you can, you can, you can get into some damage and you can get some doubt uh, going on. Um, You know, Gentry Williams did not look like Gentry Williams. He did not look good. I don't know exactly, um, you know, how you throw out somebody who is a physical corner who likes to make his presence felt by getting in and mixing it up. And if he's got that shoulder situation, I mean, he's going to need to probably have that looked at in the offseason. And and hopefully that gets better. Hopefully you see the defensive back room uh, get healthy. Because, you know, it, it's bad. And hopefully guys like Makari, who, who get the just absolute BS calls on them, hopefully they realize what that is. And, you know, that's the only thing that I was okay with, with Brent being out there, is I think that it was just as much for Makari to hear, that, you know, that his coach was like, hey, listen, I
1: this isn't on you. Yeah. Um, I feel then, bad for Makari on that one. That was... That 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 hurt my feelings for him because it was it was egregious. But at the same time, I kinda got it because it was like the receiver, I think it was Owens. He kind of pushed him into his lane, running lane. So he tripped over him. So technically that's pass interference. But if you're being pushed into it, that's usually or pulled into it, it's usually offensive. But yeah,
0: it's I felt bad but, Owens on that one. yeah. <laughs> and, and and so he got out there, it, it was intense. Um you know, uh, you see <laughs> you see Billy Bowman out there and he is playing his ass off and he is doing such a good job, and I'm so happy with him. And so you're still seeing these gleams of the great defense and and, and I back up to my original statement is, this is still a freaking really good team. It's just the fact that you've got way too many of these things happening simultaneously—the yes. penalties and everything. We are good enough to overcome two of these four things, potentially three of these four things. Then you throw in the special teams, uh, the, the coaching decision of running oh, out Schmidt. We'll
1: get, or if, before before you get the special teams, we'll come back to that in just. A well, second. Uh, and, 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 and for now.
0: I, I and I'm not really going into it, but but it, yeah. it, like. You go into the, the that decision-making of going, you know, because there is this uh, this double-dutch jump rope of when do you try to get a guy's confidence back? Um, so, you know, with the whole pulling of a guy like Savion Bird or pulling a guy off the field after a mistake, sometimes, man, like in the NFL, somebody makes a jack-wagon mistake, you you let him out there and you say hey listen because we do it at receiver right receiver drops a ball what do most really good head coaches do go right back to him and let him get a chance to make his play and so a- a- again this is just moving forward we absolutely have to have a better 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 plan when it comes to listen there's been a mistake how do we do it is it a timeout is it a get together the Stutzman's leadership being gone, was that a big piece? And it's hard, still hard for me to sit here after last week and after this week and go, okay, this is good team, and we just let the team stay involved in. Gave a 14-0 run last week. Um, you know, Give them 7 nothing this week. Y- you just got to get back down and to go and say, this is what we need. We absolutely have to just focus on the details and just pay attention to those details, and everything else is going to come together. The defense played great. They shut down Bowman in that second half. I think he was three for something ridiculous in the second half. But this is the first time that I ever saw Mike Gundy actually go at OU. Because in the past, Mike Gundy has shriveled up Like, listen, I can throw for 450 yards against OU's defense in some of these years, and Mike Gundy wouldn't throw at 10 yards downfield. That didn't happen this year. They just basically were like, all right, let's test this bad boy out. And people are picking at Woody, and they're going to continue (laughs) to pick on Woody. And he is going to, he needs to make a decision. Like, this is your film for your NFL career. Like, what are we going to do for this back half? How are you going to tell a coach? that's interviewing you in the combine hey listen i had an absolute four or five game stretch in my career to where i did some poor poor stuff and this is what i did and this is how it got better because Mm. everybody makes mistakes how do you get better after them do you continue to make the same mistakes doesn't matter if you're coaching eight-year-old girls soccer or nfl or anything if you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again the issue is with the coach and the players not sitting down and saying all right how how do we get past this one?
1: Right, and that, that's always the question is is can you get get through it? And so, Josh, back to you on the defense. There was there was a few things that jumped out, like my, my boy uh, my boy Quentin. Shout out to him. He's a Texas fan, so that's why he's in here trolling us. Uh, but he, he's one of the Texas fans. I'm cool with, and I appreciate him. But um, and we got competitive depth, which you know got to take a drink on that. But a lot of them young boys are still learning. So, Josh, how'd you feel about the defenses performance in this game, especially with all them young guys coming in? It felt like there was some pretty positive that comes out of it overall.
2: Well, you hit on one. Uh, obviously, Robert Spears Jennings is one of the big time highlights of the games for of this game for Oklahoma. even in a loss, yeah, there's some things you look back on and uh, you would say hey that that was positive the 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 backers we've talked about uh, obviously Lewis and McKenzie had had good games for Oklahoma pressed into that action so i thought all three of those items were good for Oklahoma and i like what coop said it's it's the the one play by lawrence definitely really sticks out that one missed tackle right but it wasn't just that one missed tackle i mean there were other missed tackles early it was like a missed tackles parade early in this contest for Oklahoma mm-hmm. And, and, and I'll give OU credit, they found a way to dig in and start making plays and making stops to give, again, their offense a chance to go win the game, and Oklahoma offensively couldn't do that. I thought one other item that you mentioned about Gundy was kind of interesting too, Coop. He he did try to attack Oklahoma, I think, downfield more than ever, and yet late in the game, third down and eight, he runs the football, you get the stop defensively, and again, your offense can't deliver. So that that's again gonna be the big takeaway for me is just Oklahoma's offense. Even though it wasn't a perfect day for OU defensively, I mean there's plenty of missed tackles early and many of many an item that could have been fixed, right? That that you will want to be better. And I do think up front, to me, I see that Oklahoma's not good enough along the defensive line, though we know the way they're recruiting. We think it's we think it's headed in the right direction. On the defensive backfield, I do think that again, we've seen over the course of this year Win a Gentry Williams isn't completely right. Win a Peyton Bowen isn't completely right. The competitive depth, yes, take your sips. Uh, Oklahoma needs to continue to improve that component. They have to get deeper. They have to get better. They're not quite where they need to be in terms of a two-deep, three-deep defensively. Though, again, I'm not going to hang this result on the defense. I thought they made enough plays for OU to win it, and the offense didn't have their back on it. No. Yep. Spot on, I
1: I don't understand how we have so many great spurts of offensive performance after our defense gets a stop, and then we have those moments where we just completely sputter it What baffles me is too, is that it seems like this team still leans heavily on the head coach and the defense more. That they trust the offense going out there making a play. Like it's been mentioned in here, we got to go ahead and uh, address the elephant in the room. That fourth and five play. I blame two people on that. One, I blame Drake Stoops for not recognizing that he's not five yards deep. Secondly, before I can blame Blake Stoops, I do blame Lebby for running a pick play with your best receiver. Like, that took Nick Anderson out of the play at that point because his job is to lay the pick, right? So how do you throw it to him across the middle when he's now out of the play? If they would have made it similar to how Nick was wide open for that 49-yard catch, what, a 49-yard catch and run, basically, what they did in that play, when they crossed the field, the defenders ran into each other. And if you run close enough, you could have made the defenders mess up on their routes behind you, and one of them would have been open. Now, Nick should have caught the pass that was on, what, second down? That was right in his hands, uh, or was it first down? And he just kind of – it was thrown to either he catch it or it hits the ground, and he just couldn't pull it in. But I would have done that. I would have had Nick out there, Gibson out there, have your big guys out there, throw a jump ball, past the sticks – and let them go for it. I don't get why you would have your best guy run a pick play in that situation. Now, back to special teams, and we'll—I'm gonna pass this to you to talk about that last play as well. Special teams, the personnel decisions I mentioned earlier, the things that I've been questioning about most of this game—bringing in Smothers randomly when Tywee as well as Gavin Salchuk were doing well, and then even bringing in Barnes, which we know Barnes had been dealing with that foot deal. Why play him if you think that he's not really fully healthy and then bringing his smothers randomly into here and things look discombobulated? Why did we have LV Buckley Shelton catch that punt when I ain't seen him catch a punt, what, in a year? Because he was catching punts last year, kind of. But wh- why randomly have him in there? He miffs the punt, muffs the punt. What was the point of that? Like, I'm confused. Josh, I'll pass it back to you on this one. Personnel decisions. What? logic did you even did you even see any logic with some of the moves we did with that
2: it's frustrating and i think that you know special teams is one piece of it i'd like to or would have liked to over the course of this season offensively see more snaps snaps for Jaden Gibson, right? Or Brennan Thompson. I go back to the end of the KU game. If he's good enough to go down the sideline and get you a 40 plus yard reception late there, then, then why is he not getting a couple more instead of some of the jet sweeps that we've run with Gavin Freeman in recent weeks? So there's, there's coaching decisions. It's not specific to special teams that aren't great. I, on the coaching department, Oklahoma in back-to-back weeks here. This is a a hidden component of this game that I don't think I've heard a bunch of discussion on just yet. Mm -hmm. But a week ago, I understood, before halftime, given the way the first half versus Kansas played out, that you didn't go try and attack and get points right before halftime. Well, this week, you had a chance to burn timeouts and get the football back, and Oklahoma chooses not to do that. So I do think it's time, whether you're talking about a special teams personnel decision. I mean, it's time to have the serious conversations about when is the coaching from the head coach on down going to improve because it's not been good enough. A lot of that can get solved by one very simple thing, and that's recruit, recruit, recruit. The talent just getting naturally better. I mean, I do think that's probably the biggest puzzle piece that Oklahoma doesn't quite have right yet is that they just don't have all of the – uh, all of the personnel that they want in terms of a talent perspective yet, but there's been some coaching decisions and personnel moves along the way that I'm sorry, you just have to say it hasn't been quite good enough. Yeah, that
1: that's the great cra- the, 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 – the, some of the decisions, in, and that was a perfect point out because that was one thing that bothered me. It's we watched us go drive the field and win against Texas, which arguably one of the best defenses in the country, teams in the country – we We beat them one minute, fifteen seconds, no timeouts. We did a drill the Wednesday before that. um It was a Chris Vanini from the athletic wrote an article about that that Wednesday we did a drill with about the same times like I, I think it was like a minute, thirty seconds. We had to drive eighty yards to win the game and d g did that so yeah we we know how to do it, but we for two weeks in a row, we didn't take advantage of it, and that. That baffled me. Like I didn't, I wondered if they felt like the defense wasn't going to be able to get the stop. But the defense had been getting stops technically since the second quarter. They had been putting it down on folks, right? We, we've been doing it. We've been accomplishing what we're supposed to. The other thing I think that, that, that really needs to be pointed out is that Brent Venables and these unsportsmanlike conducts from coming off the sideline, man. we got to stop that. And it only happens when we already get one penalty and he's going to ask a question. I mentioned this in my recap that we've got to stop thinking the refs are our friends or thinking the refs actually care about our feelings because they don't. They're finding reasons to penalize us. And this has happened week over week. Don't go talk to the refs. Not, not out in the field. You can stand there and yell. Because I know BV has, has has gotten a couple cuss words here or there at them. But when they pass by, you can ask them, hey, this don't make any sense to me. But don't engage them like that because they literally keep giving us penalties for it like over and over. And then th- that drive, that was 35 yards in penalties. We got them from the two. We gave them 35 more yards, basically pushed them out to the 37 and said, hey, go ahead and drive the field. See what you can do. And after a while, that gets exhausting for the defense, especially when they get stops. And then we get nullified from a stupid penalty that shouldn't have been called because a coach wants to go on the field. That's something we need, we need to get back, coach, um, to fix that coup. Thoughts on the special team? I know you just go out and jump into special teams a little bit, kind of talking about that decision. Let's talk about that again. That and that last play. Yeah, I I'm baffled by.
0: Why do you even run Zach Schmidt out there for a 50 yard field goal with everything that's been going on? Because the downside of that is, I mean, you might as well just take a knee and say, here you guys go. Here you go. You know, like that's pretty much it. Because there's a time. In place for everything, and then there's a time where something shouldn't happen at all. And in the middle of a game that's that's tight, you don't do that, right? Um, and I, I and I don't know. You know, it, there's there is a lot of I don't knows right now. Uh, LV Bunkley Shelton back returning kick, uh, returning a punt. If Gavin Freeman is out on the offensive play calling and he's healthy enough to be out there, why are you running a guy who doesn't see the field out to return a punt? Like, why? Why? I mean, is it the fact that there is not one person out there that you trust? But at the same time, we've been calling it for the running backs. We haven't seen it from Barnes. Sawchuck had been hurt. Um, Major is who Major is. And Walker was the leader. And we're saying, why haven't we seen Smothers? Why haven't we seen Hicks? Because... If you're worried about assignments and you throw out Stogner con- consistently, Stogner isn't st- – listen, Stogner's done from an athletic standpoint. And when you're asking him to pull and come around uh, you know, and do some of the stuff that we were getting from Braden Willis, he's not Braden Willis. He's not. And I appreciate him being here because without him here, we're probably running for and and Smith out there. And that's what we have. But at the same time, I mean, if you've got a good set, why not more empty? Why not more five wide? Like, I understand your personnel scheme is what it is. But if we're willing to, last year, without a quarterback, run a completely different offense, why, why can't we just do the same thing with the tight end and run more? Because you can... You can run – hell, I would be okay with them throwing out Jacob Sexton as the tight end, as, you know, a tackle eligible. At least you've got another blocker out there because at at this point, nobody's worried about – if Stogner gets one, congratulations. Have at it. And we know that the tight ends aren't a plan because Fricka Llewellyn retweeted something in the middle of the game. In the middle of the game. <sighs> Bro. It got deleted. It got deleted. But uh uh-uh, uh that ain't happening. So yes, you have the opportunity to bring in um um you know to bring in a couple guys next year and Nate Roberts is still on the table, but we are going to be extremely talented and extremely young. And doesn't matter what the talent of, of Devon Mitchell is, he's going to be able to catch a pass. Is he going to be able to flex in and chip off on an outside linebacker or a defensive end and help that way? I hope so. I really do. Uh, you know, because you're going to need the transfer portal this year because not because of we don't have the talent, it's because we don't have the experience. And with a young offensive line next year, most likely, it, you know, it, you're, you're going to have to do that. So the, the, the special teams, it, it's just – it's just – not good, and we saw it in, in certain times with Bob Stoops. We saw it with Lincoln Riley, to where they just didn't. They were like, hey, "What are we doing with special teams?" The, obviously, fixing the punting thing seems to have worked because Elzinga is playing out of his mind right now. He is he is getting it done.
1: Oh, so and know, BV, was, you, see Britain, yeah. you see, you see, DG, you see, you see, uh Dillian Gabriel's little 30, uh, yeah. 37 yarder. Shoot, yeah. I almost now, asked you uh, kick a field goal too. You want to try that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> When's the last time you saw a quick kick from an Oklahoma quarterback? I mean, I, I, it looked weird. I was like, oh, we could do that too. That's cool because they were like, Dusty said it on the broadcast. He goes, I think this might end up being a quick kick, and I'm like, bullshit! It's going to be a quick kick. Nobody's ever done a quick kick, you know? You program history, and then he does it, and I'm like, well, look at there. Look, <laughs> look at that. that. And then we give up 95 yards and penalties. So, um, so roughly. yeah, it's, it's, it, again, it's what are the priorities here? You know, what is, because at this point, when it comes to special teams, when it comes to just all kinds of stuff, there's, is it the fact that Brent Venables came in and probably looked at every single one of those coaches and says, guys, each one of you is going to get treated like the head coach. Each one of you is going to have pure autonomy on what you're doing. Did that happen? And then now is it time for a, you've had it. Now I need to take back a little bit of the reins, and we need to get back on top of this because our defense is doing well through all the injuries that we've managed. Uh, again, you lose potentially, you know, a, an All American candidate at linebacker. We've got great, def- you know, great people buying him, but we don't have the ability. I'll, I'll, I'll handle Key Lawrence missing tackles. I'll handle a, a missed field goal from forty yards. I'll hand those things are stuff that you just go listen. Just continue to work on it. It's the mental mistakes and the turnovers and the small little things that we continue to do on top of all those things is why we lost these last two games. you got to get rid of those. We're not going to be able to clean up every single one of these things. We're not. There's probably going to be a penalty on a coaching member in, you know, next week <laughs> or the yeah,
1: following week. next week.
0: There's probably going to be. There's probably going to be. Now, is it – then you also have to couple in – Nick Anderson has a ball hit him right in the hands, and he drops it. Like, that is a humongous play. And But I, I like that he got up because we had a cockiness and a, a confidence in our offense under Lincoln Riley, and I still remember C.D. Lamb dropping a, dropping an easy pass and just going, darn it. And it was just like, almost like we knew we were going to be able to have another opportunity and we could score at will. And they just didn't take those things seriously. And you still see it from CD on for, at the Cowboys. It's like he knows he's really, really good. Listen, if you know you're really, really good, don't do the stupid things. Don't do those little tiny things. Uh, if it's Jaleel Farouk, listen, man, this one, I needed you, you to come out here and say, you know what, my, I got a little egg on my face. Every detail is going to be perfectly ran. And so you know, there's conversations that need to happen. I don't know if it's player only time this, like I said, this is still a great team. It's just not good enough to overcome so many different little things throughout the game.
1: Josh, where do we go from here? We've got, the season is wrapping up. We've got three games left. And to be absolutely honest, we're still in the conference championship hunt in theory. I mean, based upon the odds, all we need is, you know, a loss here or there. We, Kind are still in there. W- w- where do you feel like we can, we can finish?
2: I, Cillian floor. <laughs> so I'm trying to wrap my brain just thinking here what would need to happen for OU to get into the Big 12 championship game? I'd have to think about that because right now Oklahoma State all of a sudden is a, a pretty large roadblock and I don't think their schedule is altogether imposing the rest of the way. They go to UCF, they've got at Houston and I believe. Uh, one other game that's pretty winnable coming down the home stretch too. So it's, let me it's, give that
1: to you real quick. Uh, they travel to UCF next week, this weekend, travel to Houston, and then BYU comes to the crib for the season
2: finale. Right. And so I think they'd have to lose two of those three, right? Mm-hmm. For, for, they you know, lose they They'd have two. to win out. So I just, thinking about goals, I don't know that uh, Big 12 championships probably out, right? Unless chaos ensues, which is not out of the realm of possibility and it has to start with you winning first and foremost. so what what's left? I think Oklahoma's gonna win the next three games because I don't think they're playing a team as good as they've played each of the yeah. past two weeks, you know at Kansas or at Oklahoma State. but uh, unfortunately I think for some Oklahoma fans, the the season and I was saying this this past week, the season was probably going to get remembered more positively or more negatively based on what happened in this bedlam game
1: yeah and
2: and unfortunately it doesn't go oklahoma's direction they didn't make enough plays to win the game and so i think they're going to win these next three games we'll see about what that means in terms of a bowl destination whoever you meet there you know win that game and all of a sudden it's an 11 win season and that's a massive step forward from six and seven a year ago and yet I think there's – a lot can change, right, when you win four football games, if you do it convincingly. I mean, if you tell me that Oklahoma's going to go win these games by three or four scores in a couple of them and then win a bowl game against a good opponent, okay, well, now we've got some maybe legitimate momentum going into next year and then the recruiting class and the recruiting class before that. There's things to feel positive about. I just think that the Oklahoma State game, unfortunately – in uh, conjunction with the Kansas game and not winning this Big 12 championship probably is going to leave some folks not feeling great about what was in 2023 to some degree. So what's next? I think they're going to win these next three games and we'll see what it means for the bowl game. I do think it's an improved Oklahoma team. I don't think it's a great Oklahoma team. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm I'm looking at. It is much improved in comparison to last year, and the numbers back that up. Even in our bad games, we're not going into shootouts that are going to 50 points, right? That's not something that we don't. I mean, for us to not give up 50 points this season is probably the, the most shocking thing. Heck, I mean, I'm going back and look at it. Let I me mean, I mean, remind myself, make sure I wasn't crazy if I'm crazy on this one. Yeah, we haven't given up 40 points this season. That's weird. I'm just gonna be honest. That's weird because that's not something we've done in what the last six years? Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's something to be happy about, is that we're actually holding teams. I mean, the fact that we held Oklahoma State to only 10 points in the second half, and those came in the fourth quarter in two circumstances of a fumble and all those penalties, it's pretty darn good, right? Now, yes, I do look at silver linings. Everybody in here knows that I sunshine pump as well as silver line and everything I talk about because that's the perspective I'm looking at this. The team's improved. We just got to keep getting better. We got to keep getting 1% better every single day, and I think we'll be fine. So now, as mentioned, we've got West Virginia, which is this weekend, 6 p.m., so it's a night game kind of feels like that's beneficial to us if you want me to be absolutely honest i'm looking at west virginia and like you mentioned josh there's not much about them that terrifies me have you got a chance to dig into
2: them yet i think they're better yeah obviously than than they've been they're definitely the best version of a coach neil brown team we've seen in some time right yeah so they they they, uh they're definitely better I, i like some of what garrett green does he of course uh, gave Oklahoma some problems uh, a season ago. So I look. Uh, I think it's the to me arguably the most challenging game left now for Oklahoma. Some people would say in Provo versus BYU. I tend to think uh, you scared know scared me. See you know road game and everything. Uh, Oklahoma has not played great outside of uh, away from Norman. So you know you got that there, but. Uh, I think Oklahoma's going to win the game. I think they're going to win all three of these final games, and I think it's going to be a double-figure season. And as some folks in the chat are pointing out, if you get some help, right, Texas, Kansas losing, then maybe you do find your way uh, into the Big 12 championship game. So that's still out there, but you need help. I think is going to win these next three games. Again, I'd like to see – Oklahoma figure some things out offensively. It's crazy that I guess is one <laughs> wild wow. positive glass half full we can take from this is yes, even though it's not been perfect for Oklahoma defensively, there is a, a, a piece of it that's refreshing to say. Well, if we could fix this offense, things will be, be you know good for Oklahoma going forward. And I think that's probably the final three games. Is okay? How much can Oklahoma fix itself offensively? What is the identity? Is there any sort? Of clear identity for Oklahoma offensively when these next three games are done, Coop.
1: Yeah, that, that's the thing that gets me. It's you you're right, it's half glass full of how do we fix this top 15 offense? <laughs> like statistically, points, yards for the most part, SP plus, advanced metrics, top 15 offense. We just gotta figure out those clutch moments where you need to refine and pick the right play to make it happen. Coop, where do we go from here?
0: Well, first of all,
1: I think that,
0: I think that this week for Oklahoma state is probably going to be a little bit of a bigger issue than most people because UCF is getting them at home. They just got that win over Cincinnati. So now they've got, they're, they're cruising and they got the bad John Reese Plumley, you know, two weeks ago, um, you got I mean, Cincinnati's bad, but what is that what does that hangover look like for Oklahoma State going on the road? Um, now we know UCF can't stop a nosebleed when it comes to the ground game. Ollie Gordon did look like he needed an ice bath by the end of that game. That was the most he'd been hit. And uh, you know, I for me I, I gotta say that it's we did a good job. We did a good job on him outside of one or two plays and um and that's, uh, again, no, no Stutzman. Um, you you got to go out this week against West Virginia. He doesn't throw the ball very well. you got to, you know, last year was the worst weather, you know, of any football game I've ever seen up in West Virginia. So you get him at home at nighttime. Fans, get yourself lubed up. Get yourself jacked. Let's go out there and do that. Um, I, I've been a strong proponent of, BYU late in the year is always rough. Those 30-year-olds don't have it in the tank anymore. And, you know, I know that ah, Hell, by Saturday nights, you know, late last night, this 40-year-old was just not having it, and I watched football and coached soccer. And so um, you just go out and you continue to run your business because um, I saw a lot of, uh, you know, uh, athlete and recruit chatter that, you know, Oh, you got hosed, and it looks like, oh, you got hosed at the end of the Oklahoma State game to some people. That's all right. It's optics. And from a fan perspective, stay off Twitter. Don't be don't be yeah. dumb. Don't respond to crap because now we always have 12 to 12 to 13 fan bases chiming at us. Don't don't be it. don't don't take the bait. Handle your business. let's let's go focus. This team still needs still team still needs us. Team still needs the fan base to be behind. And again, like Josh just said, you go out, you clean shop for the rest of the year, you miss out on the bowl game. I'll I'll pause right here. Your mark's going to be on that Black Friday game, Texas Tech and Texas.
1: Yep. If you You are going to be at two, he'll be at Iowa State as well, I bet. He's going to be in Ames. I bet money
0: you bet your sweet backside
1: <laughs> that
0: there are going to be some stuff and you're starting to see some bloods and cribs holding the towels tied together, you know, on Twitter right now, because we are seeing it. It's egregious. It's egregious at times. And, you know, it's uh, like I said, the, uh, the old longest yard, Adam Sandler, you know, where he's like, what? That was a face mask. He says, tell it to the parole board, uh, parole board criminal. And, That's kind of what it feels like right now. It's like, oh yeah, have fun in the sec jack wagon. And then, you know, they're just running off the field, get better, continue to get better, help people move forward. Um, Because right now you've got guys like Tyler Guyton. He is a guy who right now, I think that if there's ever been up in the air that he comes back next year, it's up in the air now. He is going to be a person who may get a day two grade and then he will show up at the combine and he'll be a top 15 pick. So what does he do? Because he's athletically, he's a freak and you'll take a chance on that. And you know what beaten ball guys do in the NFL. They make plays. They, they, they turn into dudes. So you've got that. Don't buy into it's time for Jackson. Don't buy into that. Guys, if you want to lose this team, start preaching for that. Because Dylan Gabriel is still the he's still the captain. He's still the man for this offense. Now, do I want to see us handle our business so that we get to see some Dylan Gabriel? I, um, you know, go take a seat and see Jackson come on the field. I do. I really do want to see some Jackson Arnold time because I think that that's necessary. I'd like to see some of the younger kids on offense come out and do it more petaway. because it is to start. Thinking about let's get going and let's get going towards this bowl game i don't think we're going to get the usc oklahoma bowl game i don't think that's going to happen usc's got another one or two coming and uh i I'm, i've already seen a couple of uh you know lower lower body lower leg extremity situations around caleb williams so the um, last thing I want to do is for us to go play in the Alamo Bowl against USC and Caleb Williams not play. Uh, that's not that's not what we want to see because I, I think that's just beating a dead dog at that point.
1: You don't so want to see Malachi? It,
0: it I don't. I, I mean, listen. <laughs> I think Malachi is the same as Davis Bevel to me right now. He is, he, he, he has shown wow. nothing, shown nothing. Wow. It's it's they haven't been able to play him. So I just think I just think that you uh, you continue to find the things that you get better. Do not let this season, we went out, we go to a bowl game, win or lose on the bowl game. You can't look at this season as a loss. This season still is what we all hoped for if you go out and win the next three games. We we, we all saw parity across college football because I promise you this, is if Ohio State was normal Ohio State and Georgia is still Georgia and we saw those games, we weren't ready for that. We weren't ready for that because... You'd make these mistakes and against those teams, and then, yeah, we are giving up 40 some odd points. So you just go out and you you win. you, you continue the one and 0 and I think that you said it on the on, on the pod last week, Jay. You were like, looks like that uh, OU comes out and we're ranked number ten. And my reaction was, I don't care, I don't care. And that's what it is. I don't care what the ranking is the rest of the year is if somebody loses and they're in front of us, I don't care. Gil get better win this game this week and we keep cruising we get three more games because I promise you here in about a month we're all beat That's no, no more football
1: yeah you're right and um kind of mentioned in here uh Richard pointing out there's a bunch of trolls yes I have a lot of Texas followers as of late they they I don't know why they have gravitated to me they actually like me because I don't talk too crazy about Texas but you know I talk about my horns down on a regular basis but I digress. You're right, Coop. And and that's the thing I like to mention with everybody when it comes to the polls, that, you know, until you get to the last week, it really don't matter. Like right now, you want to see just how because there's going to be losses. There's going to be teams in front of us that are going to lose. I'm telling you, some some of these big 12 schools are going to lose a game they ain't supposed to. Like, I think we've lost the two that we weren't supposed to. I think we should be fine going forward. I think you're going to see an upset here or there, and it's going to be weird. It's always weird. That's just how the Big Twelve has always been. Nothing's big cookie cutter besides the fact that Oklahoma traditionally in the Big Twelve championship game. That's the only cookie cutter thing we've seen. get back, back to that. Let's wrap this up on the last topic. As we're kind of going over a little. Bit, Josh, thank you for sticking around with us. We appreciate it. I figured you would enjoy laughing with us right now. USC lost in a thriller with Washington. Caleb carried this team to forty-two points, and they lost by double digits and they just fired Alex Grinch. Like, I, I'm curious to know, did anybody actually expect this to happen? Because I'm going to keep it a buck. I did not expect this to happen. I did not expect USC to fire that man. I thought they were going to ride him all the way through to the last two games of the season. But they're no longer ranked, and they won't be in the the, the college football playoff poll either. They're out of the AP, they're out of the coaches, and they're going to be gone out of... The uh, CFP on Tuesday talked to me, like, did that shock you? Like, seriously, did that, that shocked me?
2: Coop, uh, I, I can imagine you're chomping at the bit, and I have some thoughts on this as well, but I'm going to let you bat lead off here.
1: <laughs> All right, Coop, you can be the lead up here lead up because I, I can see you over there drooling. You ready for I will. It? S-
2: <laughs> I'll say this.
0: They are who we thought they were. If you're a USC fan, and you have heard this this entire time, you now understand that we are at least one national championship missing because of Alex Grinch and piss-poor management on defense. It does not matter. It does not matter. Alex Grinch did something well at one point at Washington State. You cannot always say, oh, look at this guy. He's kicking ass at South Dakota State. I think he's ready for an Alabama job. It's a different game. Urban Meyer was a freak of nature to go from Utah and bring that program and, and do what he did at Florida. And it took. Yeah. And it took some convicts, some psychos, and a <laughs> Tim Tebow for that to happen. It it did. It, it really did. did. It, yes. And, and a weak SEC. So I just say, because, I, you know, I, I watched the, uh, the, the Swamp whatever thing the other day, um, mm-hmm. and I, I finally finally went through it, and I was just like, oh, yeah, they were beating Alabama with, like, Greg McElroy at quarterback and stuff like that. So, I mean, Grinch, why now? What was different this week? It was like we were going up against Washington, maybe the most potent offense in the country, what happened was exactly what we thought was going to happen. And I got to applaud Caleb Williams and the offensive side. They played their backside off after a couple of very, very, very lackluster weeks. But why now? Why now? What's the point now? Is it just... Uh, Lincoln's not going to be there next year, guys. Does anybody believe that Lincoln's sticking around? Does anybody really truly believe that Lincoln's st- sticking around? So why? Why that's now? Good, so That's a good question. It's, it's so now, um, yeah. You, you you bring in you you elevate a couple of guys. That ain't going to change the players. They've been doing ballerina strength and conditioning for two years now. None of that's going to change. Um, yeah. Again, I, I mean, I guess uh, what was uh, what was the what was Lincoln's defensive uh, guru uh, from East Carolina that he brought in? Um, older dude,
2: Ruffin McNeil.
0: Ruffin, Ruffin McNeil.
2: McNeil.
0: Like, is, we ain't got no Ruffin McNeil to come in here and you know give you hope or anything like that. So, like, why now? So, so uh, you know, it, here's the deal. Why? Why now? Why would you do that now? Is it just because it can pull, you know, is this a little okey-doke for Lincoln so that people can go, oh, yeah, now let's raise our expectations. Now we can probably do something on defense. That ain't happening, kids. It ain't happening. Everybody in that conference has ran amuck on them
2: josh well in short i'm absolutely floored that this has happened right now i yes. it's uh, the timing of it is unbelievable i don't know what there's to gain from it outside of Exactly. A a little bit of like good PR groundswell that, oh, Lincoln Riley, here's the guy he wouldn't get rid of. He won't get rid of Alex Grinch. And now he's finally done it. But these other guys, they're going to step in and and have the gig for a week. Well, congratulations. You're giving me a trip to Oregon to to audition. I mean, so if I'm one of those guys, I'm not feeling great about this being the week that uh, we get to come in and try and fix things defensively. So it doesn't necessarily get easier going up against Oregon this week, and then obviously uh, UCLA to close for them. I I don't know. I I don't feel like there's much of a benefit besides just the PR piece to it for Lincoln Riley. I think that this just was so much out West, similar complaints to what we were accustomed to here, but you start having the LA Times and Plashkey and on and on and on. I'm sure there was a lot of discussion out West from those guys that, frankly, uh, not that it's... Not that it's a bunch of kid gloves in Oklahoma, but uh, it's it's maybe to a different degree from some of the West Coast LA journalists, right? I mean, there's a, there's the kid gloves are off from from the West Coast, I'm mm-hmm. sure, right? So I can imagine there's been a lot of heat out there. I don't know that it's totally different from Oklahoma, but the fact that it's Los Angeles, maybe Lincoln Riley individually felt a little bit more of that. It just feels like it had to be a PR-type move to try and save this thing. I don't know, Coop, if he's going to be around long-term. It wouldn't shock me at all if the right NFL situation opens up if he's gone tomorrow, whether or not Caleb Williams is a part of that uh, going forward. So I just think that it's not going to be shocking at all if he takes a life raft out of L.A. But uh, in the here and now, absolutely. I'm floored. I can't believe it actually happened. And, and again, I just don't know that there's much benefit outside of the PR – side to it
1: yeah with only two games left i mean who do they have that they've got coming up i know they've got a a gauntlet oregon and ucla there it is oregon and ucla there's a good chance they could lose both of those now and i don't I give up use ucla and give up a ton of points to oregon oh my god oregon's going to play them like they play colorado they're going to try to embarrass them i think they take joy in embarrassing people Correction, they do take Joe. Dan Lanny takes joy in embarrassing teams. And so I anticipate that exact piece, that Oregon's going there, and they're going to try to blow them out. And then, Caleb's not going to play against UCLA for whatever foreseen reasons of injury, hamstring, kneecap, earlobe, may break his earlobe or something. I don't know. There's a possibility this man's not going to play in that game, which yeah, I, ooh, ooh, ooh boy. It's, so Here's <laughs> here's
0: it is. The Oregon, I think that they probably see that as a done deal. We know what we're walking into. Maybe we can get a turnover. Maybe Oregon can make him Maybe Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix shows up. But I think that if you go get your ass trounced by Oregon and then you roll out and you've got UCLA at home for whatever that's worth, if UCLA goes out with a freshman quarterback and lights you up for 40 or 50 points, Um, there's going to be people calling to fire Lincoln Riley. And I think that that may be why this decision was made, is now Mm -hmm. he can say, like, I made the change. Because I think that he still needs his shine to stay as shiny as possible to do whatever he's doing. He's already said he's not going to be the Dallas Cowboys head coach next week or next year, Mm -hmm. so that means he's going somewhere else. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's what it is. And I said it before, if I'm Caleb Williams, I say, coach, I appreciate everything that you've done for me. You have helped me increase who I am tremendously. Best of luck next year. And if he says, hey, well, are we, you want me to go to Chicago with you to talk? To, no, 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 coach. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I not asked the question that now is, how much longer will Lincoln Riley last there? Because I don't, I don't see him coaching a game in the Big Ten. It just does. It seems like the minute Caleb gets drafted, they just got themselves a new head coach. Uh-huh. It only makes sense. So, all right, we'll wrap it up. We're gonna let everybody get home. Josh, thank you so much for pulling up. Let the people know again where they can find
2: you. Well, first off, gentlemen, just let me say, Jay Coop, thanks, guys. Fun hanging out with you both. Great show. I uh, I catch a lot of of what you guys do, and just wanted to tell you, keep it up. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, you can find me on the the Ref uh, Monday through Friday, alongside my man, Mr. Chris Plank, from nine to noon. Again, uh, just search and download KREF. We we would love you to get the app. That's the easy way to just click and listen anywhere in the world. And of course, I I can't. Can't leave without saying uh, come find John Williams and myself right here on the tube of views. Just search Locked On Sooners or, of course, anywhere you consume podcasts. And uh, greedily for myself on the ex-formerly known as Twitter, at (laughs) Josh on Ref. But, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Better days are ahead, even though it might not feel that way in the moment for Oklahoma. I still believe it.
1: Scout's honor. It's going to happen, guys. All we've got to do is, you know – Go back to who we was like week two of the season, at least. At least it gets SMU, who is a, another top 10 offense in the fifteen co- op- offense in the country. If we just continue, if we play like that for the rest of the season and keep teams under 40 points, I think we'll be just fine. So you're right. So for Coop and myself, thank y'all for pulling up. Please go check out Locked On Sooners. Go check them out. KREF, download the app. I look at Locked On Sooners every week, every time they drop a video. Good stuff, good conversation, good things to think about. They actually inspire me on a lot of stuff that I do around here. So Josh, again. Thanks for pulling up. And everybody here, wipe your feet before you leave the house. If you haven't wiped it when you walked in, like, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it. Just go ahead and give us five anyway. With that, we'll chop it up with all of you in the next, I don't know, day or two. Y'all be good. Peace.